um, you know, my heart, I want us to see Jesus this morning, right? I just want us to see Jesus. I want to see, I want us to see him in his majesty lifted up, right? This song, I love that song. So, um, my prayer and my hope, I know I'm preaching on marriage. We're wrapping up the marriage series, but, um, and marriage is the focal point of the sermon, but I want us to see through marriage to see Jesus. That's, that's the goal, right? That's what we want. Um, so let's just pray. Father, please, God, help us to have our eyes. God, our eyes open to be able to see in your word, Father, um, your wonderful truth about what marriage is, the meaning of marriage. And God, I just ask, Father, that you would just draw our hearts to see that beauty and that it would just radically affect our lives, Lord, um, our marriages. God, for those who aren't married, Lord, that would just see your beauty that would radically change their life, God. Um, I just ask you to do that. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, Turn with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to talk to you on the subject, the meaning of marriage, and then how I'm going to go about it. I'm going to spend the majority of the time um, focusing on verses 22 through 32 and really diving in and looking deep at what marriage means. And then we're just going to um, transition toward the end of the sermon into just three practical applicational pieces that we can uh, take home with us from the message that will help us to just find a little bit more joy and fulfillment in our marriages. I believe God's calling us all to more joy in Him as we look to Him. You know, one of my, uh, you know, let's read the scripture. I almost forgot to read the text. Let's read the text. Uh, Verse 22 Verse 22 of Ephesians 5. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. You know, one of my favorite parables in Scripture is only one verse in Matthew 13, verse 44. It's the parable of the hidden treasure. And I love this parable. I think about it all the time. You see this picture of this man who who stumbles upon a treasure in a field, and upon seeing this treasure of great value, he, he runs in great joy, sells everything that he has. He just goes, whatever he, whatever he has possessions of, that are important to him because they're his possessions, right? He goes and he sells everything so that he can come back and buy the field. This treasure in the field is of that 
much value to him. And Jesus is saying, this is the kingdom of God. It's like this man who finds this treasure, sells everything else, and runs toward it. You know, this book, the Bible, is all about pointing us to Jesus. I want us to see that. I want Jesus to be the focal point. Everything in this book is pointing us to Jesus. I love the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus goes out of his way to go through Samaria, and and upon going into Samaria, he goes to a well, and a woman, a Samaritan woman, and the Samaritans were ostracized by the Jews. Jesus goes into their town by the well. This Samaritan woman comes to draw water out of the well at an hour that most of the women don't go and draw water out of the well, which should tell you something. But Jesus looks at her and asks her and says, woman, give, give me something to drink. And she says, well, you have nothing to draw with. How, how can I give you something to drink? He said, if you only knew who it was that was asking you for drink, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. I would have given you water that would well up in your soul and become springs and it would quench your thirst and you would never be thirsty again. The woman says, give me this water so that, so that I can drink and never thirst again. I'm tired of carrying this, this bucket here all the time. Give me this water. Jesus says, go call your husband. She says, I have no husband. Jesus said, you're right because you've had five husbands and the one you're living with right now is not your husband, Right? This, this shows us a little bit more about this, this woman, and we're talking about marriage. Here's, here's a picture of, um, obviously, things didn't work out that great in her life. Maybe she was, I don't, I don't know the situation, it doesn't go into detail, but maybe she was searching for something, searching for fulfillment, and she never could find it. But Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for water and I'd give it to you, and it would well up in your soul, and you would not be thirsty anymore. I love that picture. You know, Jesus is at the center of every page in Scripture. Jesus is the fountain that quenches our thirst. Jesus is the one to whom we run to for rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the one who sustains you and satisfies you with good things. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How many of you are thankful that his mercies are new every morning? Amen. Man, I need his mercies every day. Jesus is our peace. John 14, 27 Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. I don't give that way because my peace lasts. Peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is your refuge in times of trouble. Psalm 46.1 God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's the one that we run to. Again, the scriptures continuously over and over and over point us to Jesus as the source of everything. So you might be asking yourself the question, what do these verses have to do with marriage? Because this is a sermon on marriage. 
Let me, let me, let me say this one thing um, before we address this question. I realize that not everyone in this room, there might be some in this room, I, I realize that, 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 that aren't followers of Jesus. You might be searching, but, but you, you're just not there yet. We're, we're thankful that you're here. We want you to be here. We want your marriage to be blessed as well. Much of what I'm going to say in this sermon might not, because of this, might not resound with you. Um, but I want you to know that much of this sermon will be very useful to you as you seek a happy marriage. Because there are certain principles that God has designed that just work whether you believe in Him or not. They just work because He's the designer of the principles. Okay? So, but my hope, I, I say this because my hope and my prayer that I've been praying is that you will see the beauty in the depth of the meaning of marriage. And seeing the beauty in the depth of the meaning of marriage will, will cultivate you a, in you a desire to know the one who created it and instituted it and designed it from the very beginning. That's my hope. I want you to see the depth and beauty of marriage. So back to our question, what, what do all these scriptures that I just referenced about Jesus is everything, what do they have to do with marriage? I, I referenced all of these scriptures because I, I, I want to contend that not all, but most, n- not all, but, but most of our issues and problems in marriage, speaking primarily to followers of Jesus, are a result of not seeing or understanding marriage properly and or a lack of personal intimacy with Christ. Um, I say this based off of what I see in Scripture, and I say this based off of just personal experience, right? Um, My wife, Melinda, beautiful lady over there, and um, we've been married 16 years. Uh, Almost 16. It'll be 16 in December. No, 17 in December. It is 16. Yes, See, we're still working on our marriage. You see what I'm saying? We'll figure that out. But we're still together. Sometimes I'm shocked by that. (laughs) We both came to marriage young, right? And we both brought our issues to marriage, you know? Melinda had an issue with verse... 22, wives submit to your husbands. Okay, right? That word submit is a word that typically doesn't bring, you know, warm butterfly feelings to us when we hear that. I had a problem with husbands love your wives. Not that I didn't love her. I loved her. I've always loved her, but one of the reasons why I had a, a, a problem with this is because I didn't really know how to love her properly. I grew up in a home that I never saw proper love. I was in a home of a lot of conflict. And one of the things that, that happened in our homes is we liked to try to win arguments. And so we had a lot of those. And we, and we valued being right, and, and, and I brought these wonderful things to my marriage, right? I brought them over. I blessed her with these things. And in my mind, 
this, this is good because I'm, sh- I'm, I'm showing her how to reason, right? That my argument is better. And if we end up to a conclusion that, yeah, you're right, this is the rational, more rational decision, that's really bad advice, husbands. Don't, don't just try to out-reason or try to do these things. I was bringing these things, trying to win an argument to the marriage and which was causing her to have a problem with verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands. And you can understand why. Thankfully, um, I bring that up because this passage of Scripture in Ephesians is the passage of Scripture that I will say has helped us more than any other passage. Understanding the gospel, understanding the grace of God, and understanding the meaning of marriage has helped us to grow past a lot of these things, not perfect. I'm not going to be able to write that book, Robert, because it's not perfect. Um, but we're growing more than where we were at the beginning part of our marriage. So um, my hope as we look into Ephesians 5:22 through 32, that we will see marriage in a way that causes us to see the deeper meaning and find deeper fulfillment in our marriages. You know, our goal should be the pursuit of joy together. And as we, as we will see in this text, God has designed marriage to lead us to that joy in Christ. You see, God has planned and called us to not only experience this joy together, but he's called us and planned for our marriages to be the picture, the parable, the illustration of this joy and communion to the world. So, Let's dive right in. What is marriage designed to be? What is the meaning of marriage? So we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 32. This text, verses 22 through 32, it really gives us instructions on how husbands and wives are to live together. So let's let's go through it. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Okay, let's just stop right there. I think we need to spend a little bit of time right there. Um, as I said earlier, this, is, this, this, this can be hard to hear if you look at it. I want to make sure that we're, we're approaching Scripture and seeing this in a way that I believe Paul is trying to communicate with us because Paul is wanting us to find joy in Christ. So let's take a look. I want to talk about four things in this verse. The first thing I want to point out about this verse is that In the Greek, in the original language, the word submit is not used in verse 22. Okay? It's it's not there. It simply states, wives to your own husbands. Okay, so you might be asking the question, well, Pastor Jason, why does it say submit if the the Greek text doesn't say submit there? Let's let's dive in uh, a little bit more so that we can see the reason for the word and so that we can better understand Paul's argument in explaining to us what marriage represents. So I want us to look back to verses 15 through 21, just just right before verse 22, 15 through 21. And I'm going to say that this passage of, of Scripture is extremely important because it sets the stage for everything following it from verses 22 all the way through chapter 6, verses 9, because it's dealing with relationships and how they are in, to interact. 
But if we're going to understand these things properly, we really need to have a good understanding of verses 15 through 21. So let's read it. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What I want us to see about this text is in the Greek, this is actually just one sentence. There's no breaks here. This is one continuous flow of thought for Paul. And so when we get to the end of this extremely long sentence, he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting in the Greek is a participle that is dependent upon the very beginning of the sentence, the verb there. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. This whole passage of Scripture here, 15 through 21, is about teaching us how to walk with wisdom. And therefore, when you jump directly into verse 22, verse 21 says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives to your own husbands. It's a, it's, it's a continuous flow of thought. And Paul's saying, I want you to do these things. I haven't left wisdom. This is a way that you can walk in wisdom and find joy. The second thing that that I want to point out in this text is notice that the instruction here to submit is to your own husband and not all husbands. Okay? It's not all male figures. It says submit to your own husband. Husband, We know in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, when God created Adam and Eve, they were created both equally in the image of God. The male wasn't created in the image of God and the female not. We are both created in the image of God together. The, the third thing I want to point out is that the Greek word here for submission as it's used in this passage is to describe a, uh, to describe a wife's relationship to her husband is really a departure from the common understanding of the relationships of women to men in the Roman world. In the Roman world, the, the word would be more obey. Women obey your husbands. Paul's, Paul's calling us to a higher standard of living, and he's saying submit, right? And we'll, we'll continue this so you'll, you'll develop a better understanding of what he's saying. But Paul is calling wives to walk in wisdom by submitting to the headship of her husband as unto the Lord. And finally, I want, to notice, I want us to notice something about verses 15 through 21, this one very long sentence in Greek. This, this sentence is about walking in wisdom that lead us to joy. Notice, notice I, I listed some bullet points of what this, this sentence says. It says, be wise. Take advantage of the time you have. Know the will of the Lord. Don't be, don't be drunk with wine. That never leads to fulfillment. Be full of the Spirit. Sing and make melody 
in your hearts to God, giving thanks always and for everything to God, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want you to notice how everything is 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 about leading us to a right relationship with Christ and how we can submit and have joy. He doesn't just throw submitting at the end of this sentence as a downer when this whole sentence is extremely positive. He's not, he, he's not doing that, oh, and by the way, I have to throw submitting in here because I heard him say submit and I just need to just put that in there. No, he's saying this is a part of what I'm telling you. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is a part of walking in wisdom and finding joy. So let's, let's go back to the text and let's see what the instructions are as we journey to understand right relationships between husbands and wives in marriage. So let's look at, let's look at the text. Uh, verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife. Verse 24, wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Verse 28 and 29, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now you might be saying, Pastor Jason, you left a whole lot out. And I know that I left a whole lot out of that. The reason that I, leave, that I left a lot out of that is because I, the, Paul is addressing a people of this day that I believe that this was their understanding of what marriage is. They had a clear understanding of God creating Adam out of the dust and Eve being pulled out and being made from a rib and bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, therefore she's going to be called woman for she was taken out of man, same essence, and that they come together to become one. I believe they understood that husbands should provide and love their wives and take care of them. All of these things. That this was, this was an understanding. But yet, they really didn't understand the picture. And Paul saying, this mystery, and this is referred to verse 31, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. You see, Paul goes all the way back to creation, in the creation of man, and he says, therefore, this, what happened here, is a picture, it's a mystery, and I'm telling you that it is Christ and the church. That's what Paul says. He says, this image of marriage in the creation of man is the profound mystery. Marriage has always been pointing to something greater. It's always been pointing to a, a deeper and better reality from the very beginning. They just didn't see it because this mystery was kept hidden in the ages past, but has now been revealed in the coming of the Son of God and the dawning of the church, his bride. This mystery is being revealed. And Paul's not taking what has happened in the birthing of the church and the coming of the Son of God and reading something back into the text in Genesis 1.27. He's saying, no, Genesis 1.27 was 
always pointing to this from the very beginning. And how do we know this? Because in the same book in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, it says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. We were chosen in the beloved before the foundation of the world. Before he created Adam and Eve. Before he created the earth. We were chosen in him way before that. And we see in verses 8 and 9, no, 9 and 10, making known to us of chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. The plan from the very beginning has always been to unite all things in Christ. And so when I said earlier that everything in this book is pointing to Jesus, I want, what that means is everything in this book is pointing to Jesus. That's what that means. It's always from the very beginning, the plan, the picture, they just didn't see it. They didn't know it. It was a mystery. And Paul is saying that this mystery is profound. It's profound. Now with this, this Paul saying this is the church, let's go back to the text and read the whole thing as Paul writes it so that we can see how he explains this mystery as he's showing these, the, what the people prior knew, he's saying everything that you were doing was pointing to something else. This is what it was pointing to. So let's look at it, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. Submit as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he might that that she might be holy and blameless. I mean, and holy and without blemish. In the same way, in the same way that that Christ has been doing all of that in His body, in His church, husbands, you should love your wives as your own bodies. In the same way, love your wives as your own bodies, for He. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, back to creation again, therefore, because of all of these descriptions of what we're pointing to, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. But I'm saying that it's Christ and the church. 
This is an awesome, unbelievable mystery. Paul's saying that your picture of marriage is so much deeper and so much greater than you can even fathom. I want you to know that your lives as you live together as husbands and wives is a picture of Christ and the church and he's calling us to illustrate that picture with one another which is amazing to know that there's that type of call on our marriages and what is pointing to that is unbelievable so so what now having this picture what now i want to just talk about just three practical principles that i think that can help us as we journey understanding that we are a picture of Jesus and the church that can help us to journey and find happiness and find joy together in our marriages, all the while reflecting Jesus to the world. First thing I want to highlight is live for something bigger than yourselves. Live for something bigger than yourself. Remember what your marriage is a picture of. Come together and talk about it, what you reflect And since marriage is and was designed to be a parable of Christ in the church, and this is an eternal covenant of love, pursue Christ first and pursue Christ together. I love love Kevin's Kevin's analogy of the triangle, and God's here and husbands and wives, and as you you grow closer together toward God, you're, you're drawing closer together as individuals. That's the whole point. You know, let, let me just throw this in here. If you're looking to your spouse to fulfill your deepest, your deepest and, and most longing needs, you're setting them up for failure because they can't meet those. Okay, they can't meet those. Only Jesus can meet those needs, right? And so as we, as we journey together with this picture, wives, show the world Christ in you as you love and submit to your husbands, recognizing him as the, the, the picture of Christ and his love toward and, and authority over the church. Submit to him out of love and reverence for the picture that he illustrates in this beautiful parable, this beautiful illustration of what God has designed. Husbands, love your wives. Show the world Christ as you love them. Cherish them, nourish them all the while laying down your lives for them, right? To serve them. Jesus came and he laid down his life for us. He came to beautify us, to help us, to nourish us. And he came in humble service. You know, Scripture says it's uh, more blessed to give than it is to receive. Right? We, 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 want to, we want to think of ways, husbands, that we can give our wives time that they need to find their ultimate fulfillment in Christ. And we want to be a part of this journey with them. Likewise, same thing, wives, to your husbands, work at helping them to pursue God. Do this together. Live for something bigger than yourselves. Which means, come together and talk. Talk about having a higher purpose. Talk about having a common goal. God God has instituted marriage to reflect him in the church, but we're all different. We're all unique. We're We're not all called to do the same things. We're just called to reflect Jesus in our lives and in our marriages. So come together and talk about what can we do together 
that's bigger than us, that we can give of ourselves as we're on this journey. And then step out and try it. Try something. Try something new. The second thing I want to throw out there to you is enjoy the journey. Just enjoy it. Strive your best to enjoy the journey in marriage. Live in the moment. When, when I thought about Scripture and I was, I was thinking of, okay, I, I'm a Scripture that can, you know, just find joy and purpose and just uplifting. I was like, man, there's no better place to go to than Ecclesiastes. Right? There's no better place than that. I got more laughs in this verse than the first verse. Y'all have read Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 7 through 9. It says, go, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life. I love that. You threw even in their vain life. This book is awesome. Vanity of vanities. It's all a chasing after the wind. But in the meantime, he's saying, you know what? Do this. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love. Life is so short. It's a mist. It's here today, gone tomorrow. He says, go, drink, be merry, enjoy life because this is your portion in life. And while you do it, understand that you're reflecting something more beautiful and more lasting. Seek to know each other. It doesn't matter how long you've been married, you can always seek to know each other a little bit more. Right? Talk about, talk about your desires, your aspirations, your, your fears, your, your pet peeves and your little quirks. We all have our own little quirks. You know? Talk about the things that bring you joy. Come together. Spend time with one another. Commune with each other. Enjoying each day. And remember that, I want you to remember one thing. There is something special about this moment. Really, no matter what's going on, right? If things are just super blissful, or if, if, man, I have some issues that I'm trying to struggle and work through, I want you to know that regardless of where you're at, there's something special about this moment we have here. Because we will never have this again. We will never have this again. So there's something special about it. It's fleeting. It's short. But, but man, take advantage of it and strive with all you have to find joy, to sacrifice, to work, to work through things and live in the moment. The, the last thing I want to leave you is, is spare no effort to reach the reward. Spare no effort to reach the reward. You know, the Old Testament is, is um, full of pictures and, and illustrations that point to other things. We see this in the sacrificial system, right? We see that it, it took a, a lamb, a spotless lamb, and this lamb was, had its blood spilled for the forgiveness of sins. We, we all know now that that blood that was spilled out of lambs never cleansed sin. It was always a picture pointing to a deeper and greater reality. And when Jesus Christ came to the earth, God in the flesh, when he made himself known, 
to us, revealed himself to us, stepped down into his creation that he created and where we were living and struggling and came to the earth and lived a perfect life, keeping all of the law, which we could never do, and teaching us how to live and going to the cross because everything was pointing to Jesus, as I've said over and over in this sermon. It was all pointing to Jesus. Jesus went to the cross. His blood was spilled. His life was laid down down and on the third day he got up from the grave and there's no more sacrificial system because it's over it's complete because Jesus Christ is our mediator sitting sitting at the right hand of the father making intercession for us right now he is our high priest we are cured of our disease we are forgiven of our sins because of Christ and what he has done for us. I think of the temple and the, the, the um, illustrations, the specific details of building the temple, right? Just the, 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 it had to be exactly this many cubits long and not one cubit over that. It has to be this way. And we see that it was all in, in Hebrews 9, it was a copy of the original. There's a reason that we don't have a specific temple right now with a veil that the presence of God is behind it. There's a reason for that because Christ came and when he died, the veil was ripped in two. And now we know that the Spirit of God dwells in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Those pictures were pointing to something and they have been fulfilled. Man, I'm, I'm wrapping it up so you guys can head on up. But, but we see something different in marriage. Because we know that it is a picture and it's an illustration. And understand this, marriage was instituted before the fall, before sin even came into the world. It was one of the first things that God did in his creation. He created man and woman. And it was always a picture pointing to Christ. Now, we don't, we don't spill the blood of, of, of bulls and lambs anymore. And we don't have to journey for miles to go to the temple of the Lord to be near his presence. But we're still married. We're, we're still married. We, we still, we, why do we still have marriage? If they're all pictures pointing to something. It just simply means that the picture of marriage hasn't been fulfilled yet. We're still waiting for that day when this picture becomes an ultimate reality. You see, in the very beginning of the book, we see marriage designed. And now let's go to the very end of the book to see the fulfillment. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 19. Re Revelation 19, verses 6 through 9. I love this. This is, this is a picture of the, of the very end, right? It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. 
It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. I love this picture. Because this is finally, in this moment, what marriage has been pointing to for thousands of years. What marriage has been pointing to in this moment will reach its, will reach its fulfillment. And we will all stand thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions, gathered in this great multitude that our voices sound like thunder. And here we are, and it says that we are clothed in fine linen, bright and pure. It was granted to us to be clothed. Remember that it's only by grace that you are saved through faith. It's only by the work of Christ on the cross for us and His resurrection from the dead and our faith in Him that we are saved. He has, You know, I love this picture because you have, you have the picture of marriage, man and woman, woman being pulled out of man, essentially essence of the same essence. And here we have this picture of Christ and what He's doing for us and His Spirit. The righteousness of Jesus Himself clothes us. He literally clothes us with His righteousness so that when the Father sees us, He says, beautiful, I see Jesus. And here we are. And and, and you know what I love about this too? It says right here that after we're clothed and we're granted to be clothed with this linen, it says the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints, meaning that all of our labors for faithfulness, all of our labors of doing good things with one another as we journey in marriage. If you're not married, look, you're going to be married to the Lamb in this day. It's for everybody. This wedding is for everybody. It's pointing to Jesus. What Jesus is saying here is that everything we do, all of our works, all of our acts of love, everything that we're laying down, our lives in sacrifice because of our heart that's been changed by the gospel and our desire for Jesus Christ, God's going to take all those things and He says He's going to make a garment out of it. And He's going to clothe us with this garment and, and beautifully adorn us so that on that day when we stand before Jesus, He sees His bride and He says, beautiful. And on that day, we step into eternity with Jesus forever. So in the meantime, Our marriages reflect that coming day. In the meantime, strive with everything you have to walk in humility, to bear with one another in love, to encourage each other, build each other up, because that day is what we're shooting for. And that's where we want to go. And that's going to happen. And what a glorious day that will be. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for... uh, for the life you've given us and God help us to look forward to that great day coming one day and help us to make every effort God to live our lives that reflect you and your love for us in Jesus name Amen What gift of grace is 